0: evening. I'm glad you're here. Glad you guys are coming. Let's pray and then we'll get going on our second parenting class here. So, Father, we invite you by your Holy Spirit to come this evening. Encourage hearts. Give wisdom from heaven, we pray, for these parents, Lord. Would you give them much grace? Give them insight and understanding on how to raise their children for the glory of god and lord i pray that you would even impart um, knowledge to them even this evening inspiration hope help and grace into their hearts as we look at your word and as we discuss um, the beautiful process and the torturous process of parenting But your grace is beautiful, and eternity is being sown by these parents in this room. So, Lord, I pray that you would encourage their hearts this evening. In Jesus' name, we thank you. So, I want to encourage, I mean, every time we gather together, we want you guys to feel hope arise and encouragement, because we remember what it was like, for sure, even though we're kind of past that stage with our youngest daughter being 21 now. But we do have 12 grandchildren, and we were just with our son and daughter-in-law in in the Dominican Republic. They just had their first baby. She's six weeks old now, and Gabby's still in med school. So you can imagine that that's uh, pretty trying and difficult, so we get it. The Lord wants to encourage the hearts of his people who are raising children for his glory. And so um, we want to definitely be part of that. Parenting is a holy calling. It really is. You are sowing into eternity, and I you've heard me say before that of all the things that I've done in my life, walking with the Lord for 40 plus years now, I believe and I still believe and I've never not believed after I've raised children that it's the most significant thing for eternity that I have definitely done for sure. There's no doubt in my mind. So let's talk about foundational pillars of parenting just as a review. This is really hugely important. Um, so I get, oh I got a whiteboard but I'm driving like a Dominican right now. Okay, so three foundational pillars of biblical child training. Obviously one of them is not penmanship so don't look at that. Um, let, let's just look at these for just a minute and we're gonna, we're gonna focus in on this part here of training because in my view, I feel like it is the most neglected and most misunderstood of all of these pillars for parenting and the lack of it has um, bad consequences. And so we, we want to emphasize that today and throughout these sessions. Relational heart connection. We talked a lot about heartstrings last time. That's a huge value in your parenting. If your children don't feel loved and embraced by you, Then it's going to be hard for you to win their heart. And if you don't win their heart, they're not going to listen to your um, instruction and your wisdom. That's what the book of Proverbs teaches. My son, give me your heart and then I will impart wisdom and understanding to you. Training and correction. um, We're going to talk about that. They're not the same thing. They're related, but they're not the same thing. This is the part of the practical part of outworking of child rearing. In my view, it's it's um, either absent or it's misunderstood. And, you know, we've talked about, Diane and I have talked about this a lot. This is a huge value, and I believe, you know, honestly, Diane, is, in, in my view, is just expert in this whole issue of training. She did an amazing job with our children, very intentional, and it's had tremendous fruit in their lives. So we're going to talk about training. That's what we're going to emphasize this evening. Number three, modeling by godly, authentic Parents, you see those words together, actually having a real relationship with the Lord, which I know all of you do. Letting that be real, letting your children see because they see who you really are anyway. You can't fake it. If, if you play church and you go home, your kids will know that right away. And what that tends to do to them is go, oh, this is like Santa Claus. This isn't really real. This is a game we play because this is what nice people do. We go to church and we say, I love you, Jesus. But then we come home and we watch all kinds of worldly junk on the TV. We use foul language. We you know, are angry. We live in a way that is inconsistent with our profession. And that's always a fail. Children's hearts naturally, intuitively pick up hypocrisy and it turns them away. And so we just have to It's okay to not be perfect. Look, there are exactly zero perfect parents in the human race, exactly zero. So you and me aren't in that group, but it's not a fail to not be perfect. It's a fail to not admit your imperfections to your children. So if we're authentic in the way that we deal with our own failings, even if it's with our children and the discipline that we um, do with them, it's OK. You can pull out those those wounded areas and you can fix it when we apologize and repent. You know what? One of the things that we need to model in a godly, authentic way is repentance to our children. Go. You know, I'm so sorry that I said that with such a sharp edge. I was wrong. Will you forgive, daddy? They're like, sure, I'll forgive you. They're the easiest people to repent to in the world. So start when you're little and you can repent to them. And that teaches them it's okay to make mistakes. What you do is when you make them, you just repent. That's a great lesson. So we want to talk about what training means and and how to do it. I want to just use a scripture foundation here because that's my passion. Ephesians six, one through four. We're going to look at that. And I really want to um, allow Diane to have as much time as she wants to share examples of what training looks like and how to implement this, because this is so important. Ephesians 6, verses 1 through 4, I'm going to read those verses, and then I want to make just a few points from them, four points, as a foundation for what we're going to talk about today. So children, obey your parents in the Lord. Notice the phrase, in the Lord, that's important, that's how this whole passage starts out. For this is right, honor your father and mother, which is the first commandment with a promise, so that it may be well with you and that you may live long on the earth. Fathers, which I believe would include mothers as well, obviously, but fathers are mentioned because they are the ones with authority in the home. Do not provoke your children to anger, but bring them up in the discipline and the instruction of the Lord. So many translations for the word discipline there use the word training. And I'm going I'm to share with you the meaning of that word because it's really important. Because there's two different ideas here that are related and connected. But they're not the same. Raise them up. Bring them up. Rear them in the discipline or training and the instruction of the Lord. So let me make these four points from these verses. Number one. Christian child rearing is first about God and second about the child. How do I know that? Because the passage starts out with "In the Lord in verse one and in verse four, it says the instruction of the Lord. And so there's those are the brackets that are around this passage. Raising children as believers is all about Jesus. It's not about maximizing my child's earning potential. It's about Jesus being formed in them and about God getting what he wants. That's what child rearing is primarily about. But when we do it, Well, by that grace of God and by his help, then our children are blessed. Second point, verses two and three, is just that. Christian child rearing is God's primary way to rightly align children to himself so that he can bless their lives. Let me say that again. Christian child rearing is God's primary way to rightly align children to himself so that he can bless their lives. Here, Paul quotes the fifth commandment. Do you know in the Gospels, Jesus quoted this same commandment five different times? It's an important concept to the Lord. Number three, this is verse three. Uh, I'm sorry, it's the first part of verse four. Fathers, do not provoke your children to anger. Here's point three. Parents can hinder the process. We can mess it up. We can screw it up. Uh, If we get in the way, so we want to make sure that we don't do that. And we plan on having an entire session on not provoking your children to anger um, as we move forward. This is a huge deal. Find me a a person that has not been provoked to anger by their parents. They're pretty rare. They're pretty rare. So we want to make sure that we don't do that. And then the fourth point I want to make is that there's two essential methods. This is the second half of verse four, but bring them up in the discipline and the instruction of the Lord, the training and the instruction of the Lord. So I want to talk about those two words and those two concepts for just a minute as we get into this. There's, there's two methods that God gets what he wants to out of our children. As parents, we are enlisted by the Lord. OK, I'm giving you these children and here's your assignment. I want you to train them, and I want you to instruct them. So what is training? This word is super important, as I said before. When we talk about training, so in in the Greek culture of the time and since then as well, they use this word for training athletes to learn a sport. They use this word for training children to play instruments, They use this word for teaching children how to read and how to write. Why is that important? Because that takes intentional practice, repetition, right? This doesn't happen by accident. So there's there's the practicing part and there's the repetition part that is part of this word training and discipline. This is not just the same as using the rod. We're not going to talk about using the rod today because that's a that's included in this but that's not the part that's usually missing although it is um we we did a conference in indianapolis where we did an all-day-long thing for in marriage and then child training and um a few of the parents right came up and said we never spanked our kids but we're going to start now (laughs) um so why not because we love to beat our kids or we have some kind of you know penchant with that and i've i've told them like you you don't if you have an anger issue that you can't control you shouldn't spank your kids you should get your heart right and get your anger under control before you do that for sure because you'll do more damage but I don't see the rod as being an optional thing in in the scripture it's not it's at least four times in there where it's commanded so I'm just gonna take God's wisdom above my own and above Doctor Spock or whoever else puts their thing out there that he's smarter than me. Like he created children and he actually knows how to train them. I I just trust his word. Like if I trust him for my soul, then I can trust him for my child rearing. Right. So there's a way to do spanking that is a godly way that is constructive. It doesn't make the child angry, but it helps to train them. And it is part of the training, but that's not the aspect of it that we're we want to talk about today. This kind of training is shaping the mindsets and the behavior, it's shaping. Think about shaping. That's what it does. We're we're training them like you would train a basketball player, like you would train a tennis player. You train them, you do the same thing. When I was learning tennis, my tennis coach told me, you know, how do you learn to serve? Well, you serve 10,000 balls a day, Right. You, you do the toss. Oh, the toss isn't quite right. It's not quite right. It's not quite right. If you don't do the toss right, then your serve's not going to be right. Same thing with free throw shooting. Be right. You just keep doing it. I guess Shaq never did that. But um, if, if you shoot enough, you you get the technique down and you know you have the coach tell you, oh no, it's not quite like that. It's like this. That's the same way we do child training. So this is a concept in my view that we don't It's not on our radar and it is so important. We're training them to be godly little people so that when they grow up, they're godly big people. And that's what God gives us as the charge. This involves intentional planned instruction, practice, 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 repetition. Can can I tell you something? Your child's temperament is not their destiny. You can go, oh, my child's strong-willed. I get it. Oh, my child's this or my child's that. that. That's not their destiny. Because in God's economy of things, by training and by being consistent and by being faithful, and we, we were talking about this the other day, we've heard from so many people. I tried spanking it doesn't work. You tried it once and you wanted it to be the magic pill and then they didn't all of a sudden turn around. So that's, no, that, that's not what we're talking about. That's not what training is. Oh, I tried to play the guitar, but it didn't work. Oh, I tried to learn to read and write, but it didn't work. I've tried that. It doesn't work. Reading and writing doesn't work. Playing the guitar doesn't work. Well, why doesn't it work? Because you stopped in the middle of the process. You wanted it to be quick and easy and fast, and it's going to happen right now. And that really isn't the way that parenting works. Like, parenting isn't mastered in a year. Or several years, there's a process that that continues on. And so we uh, want to instill values, and it takes time to instill godly values. So so what are some of the godly values that we want to instill in our children? I'm just going to give a couple, and then I want Diane to begin to share and talk about this concept of, of training. So important. Um, the first value, and, and these correspond with with the first two commandments, okay? So these are values that we're instilling in our children. We, we need to think about what values we're actually instilling in them. So here, here's what I wrote down. We exist, we want our children to understand that we exist to love and honor God. That's why we breathe. This is a Christian worldview. And so this is such a gift to children to understand that they're not actually the center of the universe. What a gift that is, because they're going to find out sooner or later, right? But, but if they can find out sooner, you, you, you can't be a disciple of Jesus and think that everything is, is about you. You can't do that. And so we're actually training our children to have the character to follow and to love Jesus and to honor him in the way that he wants them to. When we were in the, the DR. I don't know if you've heard the name Jordan Peterson, but he's a he's like a, a, a seeker after the Lord, but he's a brilliant guy. He's got his doctorate. He taught in Harvard. Um, psychologist kind of guy. But like he's the Lord is rocking him now. There's YouTube videos of him talking about the Bible and talking about Jesus and bawling his eyes out. <laughs> you know, he's like, there's something so special about the Bible. It's so amazing. Like it's like this is a Harvard professor. And so it's pretty cool to see the Lord um, rocking him like that. But he made this statement in, in one of his podcasts, and we were talking to our son about it, and he mentioned it. He said the goal, what parents need to accomplish is that they need to train their children to be socially adaptable. What's the word that he used? Acceptable. Socially acceptable by the time they're four years old. Okay, so what does that mean? And why did he say that? He said because here's what happens. If your child is out of control, and again, this is just our this is just a rough thing, but but think about this. I find as a as a Christian leader that so many people their issues are are wrapped around rejection in their life. And if you have a child that is odious to people, either <laughs> you know, in the way that they behave, they're not respectful, they they're they're difficult. They um, um, are rebellious. They're you know all of those kinds of things. People have one of two reactions: either they openly reject them or they ignore them. And what happens is that child grows up with the recognition that people reject them and they take it as a personal issue they're rejecting me not that they they're, they're not thinking through they're rejecting my behavior they think they're rejecting me so they grow up with a chip on their shoulder a lot of times I'm making I'm I'm painting with a broad brush here but that's a real a real thing and I think that's a real insight that he has if if we're not training our children to actually be socially acceptable on on one level and I know this isn't the ultimate goal for us as believers and And trust me, we had children that probably went beyond four and they, you know, out in restaurants and in public, they embarrassed us for sure. Um, But it's not about children embarrassing us. It, It really isn't about that. For us as parents, it's not about us either. All of this is about the Lord. But just saying you will bless your children if you actually train them, you will bless them because they will actually have a more acceptable life and friendships and relationships with other people. It is a real value, so we're blessing them. Ultimately, our goal is for God to be honored in the lives of our children because that's why they exist. That's why he gave them to us and entrusted them to us to raise them for himself. Success in life, this is still the value number one. Success in life is measured by knowing and pleasing Jesus. Instilling that in our children. How do you instill that in a two-year-old? It, it, it can be done. The beginnings of it definitely can be done. And the second value is that we, we love little Johnny. We love and honor God by the way we treat other people because the way that we treat others is the way that we treat Jesus. Now, teaching them that early and those being the values, the mores, the culture in our home, our children pick up the culture that's in our home and the values that we actually hold and live by. Just like in any culture that you live in, they're going to catch that. They're going to pick that up. But these are huge values. And so for us, we reinforce these values all the time. Did that behavior honor the Lord? So that's, that's the question. It's not did you get the toy that you wanted. It's not did somebody else, but when you knocked them in the head because they took your toy, did that behavior honor the Lord? No. OK, well, what do we need to do? We need to apologize. We need to repent to the Lord and we need to turn around and make um, restitution the best that we can. So we're, we're teaching them how to repent. We're teaching them these values of loving God supremely and recognizing that their existence is not to be happy. Their existence as children is not to have fun. We, we make a big mistake as parents in our culture and I say this just as gently as I possibly can, by thinking that good parenting is making your kids have fun constantly. And that's not true. That's feeding their flesh generally. We, we don't want them to be miserable. We don't want them to be... But but there's a difference between um, having godly values and between training them. How are we training? Are we training them to love entertainment? Are we training them to love just the temporal things that they can do? Let's go to Disney today. Let's go to the beach today. I'm not against any of those things, but they need to understand that the purpose of their life ultimately is is to love and to glorify God. That's why they were created, and so I honestly, I, I have a problem with seeing on church marquees that our kids' church is fun. I'm like, so is Disney World, but a lot more. Why why is that a kingdom value? I know, I know. This this never be popular. But but why but let's think now. What what are we raising them for and what values are we instilling in them? Do they constantly need to be entertained? Do they, can they never be bored? Can they never? Because what will happen is, how do you take that little person growing up that way, they graduate from high school, and you say, you know what? Actually, disciples of Jesus take up their cross every single day of their life so that when your will and Jesus will cross, you take that cross up and you do his will. How is that little person who has never denied his own flesh, his own desire, what he wanted to do? He's always had a device whenever he reached out for it. He's always had a snack whenever he wanted. He's always uh, how, how does that little person follow Jesus? That's the question. And, and what are we raising them for to be happy? No. The, the truth is that happiness comes from godliness. Happiness comes from having a clean heart before the Lord. We saw this over and over again in our child rearing that you would think that spanking was a thing that made them hate you and that. But but not so when their little heart was clean and they had been disciplined, even with the switch. That's not all discipline. That's a separate subject. We'll deal with it later. But that's a real thing. Sometimes it's definitely needed. Um, But but their heart would be clean when they would repent and they were so happy. They would run around, right? Their eyes are shining. They're they're so happy. I feel so good and so clean in my heart. I'm like yes, you're learning to repent and to walk before the Lord with a pure heart. It's beautiful. So, I, I want to encourage us to realign. I know. I know that this stuff will never be popular to say in our culture because we are a culture that consistently. Feeds the flesh for ourselves and especially for our kids. And good parents are the ones who feed their kids' flesh the most. I mean, that's kind of the thing. Oh, we went to Disney. We did this. We did that. We did all these things. But, But at the end of the day, the question is, what are we trying to accomplish by what we're doing with our kids? Are we trying to accomplish that they're going to recognize that they exist and live and breathe for Jesus? Like, we can talk the language of radical Christianity as parents, but why don't we talk that language to our children, too? We want them, we think magically when they cross a certain age that they're going to automatically go, oh, I just want to give my life for Jesus and go on the mission field. Not. If, If you haven't learned to do the hard things when you're three years old, four years old, five years old, then the likelihood is you're not going to learn to do the hard things when you're 18 years old, 19 years old, 20 years old, because you've already trained yourself to default to what's easy, and that's not discipleship. It really isn't. Um, you think this message won't win any <laughs> awards for being most popular? No, but it's real. We need to hear this in the West so much. We need, we're desperate to hear things like this and to make us think through again. I'm not saying we never had fun. We had tons of fun. Mm-hmm. There's all kinds of times when I'm on the floor and my kid, all my kids are piled on top of me. If there was a, a while there where all seven of my kids would be on my back. Come on, walk, Daddy. Walk, you know. <laughs> I'd be like the horse. I'd go as far as I could and then boom. So it, it's not that there isn't fun, but that isn't the goal. And they understand what we're doing here is not to try to maximize our fun, which is mostly about feeding our flesh. But it's to honor Jesus with our lives. That's why we exist.
1: Yeah, Barry, do you remember um, sitting the kids down? And just, I just thought of this because, you know, just saying how, following Jesus, like, that's the goal. Loving Jesus, that's the absolute goal. That's the supreme goal. That's the one thing we're going for. That's the focus of every day. And, you know, our kids, like, as they get older, they feel the pressure of the culture of the world. Like, it's all about being successful. And it's all about how much money I make, you know, like that. And God blesses people with money. Praise God he does. Um, he's blessed us financially in many ways and, you know, just very thankful for that. Um, but that's like, a, that's like a, a, an aside. It's not the main goal. And I do remember sitting them down and telling them because our son was getting ready to like starting to get to college age. And so it's like, oh, my gosh. And like, what are we going to do? Is he going to go to college? What You know, what are we going for? And. um, Barry sat them all down and he said, I just want you to know. That what will make me more proud of you than anything in the world that you could ever do is for you to be a great lover of Jesus. He's like, that is what I want for you. Whatever God calls you to do, I want you to do it. Maybe he's going to call you to do something great and serve him in some special way. He said, but maybe he want, maybe Jesus would want you to be a garbage man. He said, and if you are a garbage man and you love Jesus with all your heart, I will be so proud of you. Do you remember that?
0: Yeah, I do. Th- that's that's real, though. Um. I was raised by my parents with the whole thing of get educated so you can have a great job. I'm not saying there's anything wrong with that. Hear, hear, hear the whole part. Like, I had my own business as an entrepreneur, and um, the Lord blessed it in its latter end. <laughs> the beginning sucked, but the, the later end of it was um, ended up being good. So I, I'm not against that. But even with that, even if the Lord gives blessing and prosperity, the point is to teach our children by modeling and by training and precept. The, the purpose for this money is not for us to get as much stuff as we can. It's to actually release it to the Lord because it's his it's a stewardship. So we're going to have to give a So What are we doing with it? I mean, teach them those things because they're going to have to deal with those things themselves. I mean, we're Americans. The reality is that we're if we're in the bottom two percent here, we're in the top 98 percent of the rest of the world. We just came back from the Dominican Republic. Third world country. There's poor there. Everybody virtually is is poor there. Even the wealthy, by our standards, are poor there who don't have central air in their house, don't have hot water heaters, don't have uh, consistent electricity. All of that stuff is super common there, even for those who are of the you know, middle, upper class. So, I mean, w- we definitely want our children to keep things in perspective, and, and, and part of that is our duty to help to train them. And look, the reality is, Kids see what their parents delight in. You can't hide that. Your kids will see what you delight in. And if you delight in your stuff, if you delight in your movies, if you delight in your entertainment the most, then that's what they're going to delight in, reality. Because it's easy to default to the flesh. It is easy. And if that's the way we're going to go, our kids are, are going to um, – pay the price as far as their own discipleship and in the hardness of of their life. So I was raised. My dad was definitely upper middle class an executive at IBM. We lived on a pretty high level, Um, not not the Trump level, but we lived on a pretty high level. Um, But I grew up uh, pretty soft. I mean, I had uh, things to do. I had to mow the grass and vacuum the pool. Stuff like that, which I thought was a terrible, terrible burden, terrible inconvenience. And the Lord, you know, I mean, this, so this is my journey. And I know that the Lord said to me, like, we got married, and I feel like for sure he said, you're, you're way too soft. I've got something for you. So he helped me with the, with the tree business and uh, the landscape business. Um suffered greatly the first three years. I've, I've told you the story, but but this is a real thing. Working out in the hot sun 60 hours a week, and I made a grand total gross of three after three years of $17,000 uh, for three years, not one. And so, it's demoralizing. Like, I went 10 weeks with no pay, 12 weeks with no pay. I just had enough money to pay my guys, pay my bills, that was it. And so, um, the Lord's like, you know what, <laughs> you just really need to get toughened up because you, you've been a little soft boy here, and, uh, and you need to get toughened up here. And, and actually, because... I've got some things for you to do that are not always easy. So discipleship isn't easy, right? Jesus didn't say, take up your pillow and blanket. He said, take up your cross, right? That's a totally different thing. And when he said that, the the disciples didn't know about the necklaces with the cross or the rings with the cross. The only thing they knew was when they saw rebels against the Roman Empire, they were crucified and dying and they put them along the road so that there would be a message to everybody else. Like if you if you rebel against us, this is what you're going to get. So they're like, Ah, uh, the cross? For real? <gasps> so, again, the, this is a reality of discipleship. I'm not saying we beat up on our kids or we make them slave 24-7. I'm not saying any of that. But we need to help them to actually have the perception and the the mindset of a disciple of Jesus, which is whatever he wants, I give it to him because I belong to him and I was made for him.
1: And going along with that, the I love the quote by Elizabeth Elliott. You know, if you if you raise your children to be happy, and that's your goal, is you want your children to be happy, she said they will be miserable. But if you train your children and you raise them to be holy, they will be happy. Because, like Barry said, a clean heart, we had this on our refrigerator, Shanna made it when she was just a little girl, made this little magnet for our refrigerator, and it said a clean heart is a happy heart. And when... Your kids aren't happy. Maybe their conscience isn't clean. Like maybe there is something that they are troubled with in their soul. And maybe that's why they're going around doing their little chores with such an attitude. Like maybe there's really a heart issue. And something that we really need to be praying for the Holy Spirit to uncover. The Holy Spirit is so good at that. I'm just so thankful, like parenting without the Holy Spirit, just forget it, you know, but walking with the Holy Spirit, he will alert you to things that are troubling your child's conscience, and just, you know, when he shows you, when you get that little red flag in your spirit, really go to praying, and I really am so thankful that I was able to be home with the kids, because I don't think that we could have done. I don't think we could have raised our seven children to love Jesus without that. Just personally, I don't feel that way. It took so much time. (laughs) It took so much focus. It took so much prayer. And so that was a real blessing that we had that because I just felt like the Holy Spirit would alert me, you know, all the time. And like what he was saying before about, um, you know, sometimes you do hear. and, And I I, I feel for parents, you know, because they feel like I have tried that, it didn't work, and, and I know they, they, they do sincerely try, and, um, but we can't try. We just have to do it, you know, and there was a time with one of ours, and I just told Barry, I said, I'm not, I'm not going to discipline him anymore. Like, it really isn't working, and I don't see their behavior improving, and, and they were actually getting a little bit older, and I was very concerned. And um, I was like, I I just see a lot of rebellion and I'm just going to have to defer to you, like to take care of that at the end of the day, because I don't see that what I'm doing with them is helping at all. And so he was like, okay, well, you know, we'll do what we got to do. And so but I just started getting up early and praying and just like God, just crying out for my child and going through the scripture, and I'm like, what is the problem? Like, what What is the problem? What do I need to do? And I felt like the Holy Spirit told me, my word does work. You doing it faulty, you not really following through, and you really not doing it like I have instructed you to do, that's on you, but my word works, and it will have an effect upon your child. And I was like, okay so with fear and trembling I was like okay Barry I'm sorry like I really had that wrong I feel like the Lord has really corrected me on this I'll do it I'll do it by God's grace you know I'm gonna do this and I had talked talk with my son I asked him to forgive me and I was like no God told me like you are gonna respond to this and I'm sorry that I laid down you know the you know the switch and um just wanted to pass that off on dad like i'm sorry like i know that this is going to work and um his he just totally turned around i saw a huge change in him with me not backing down to his rebellion so he respected me so much more after that so that was a real turning point
0: yeah so good Share some of the examples of training, so we can get a, a feel for what training children looks like. So start out when they're babies.
1: Yeah, it starts out when they're when they're little. You know, they start crawling, or or honestly, like when you're holding them and they're learning to crawl. So what do they want to do all the time? They want to get down on the floor, right? They want to get around. So um, they don't want to be held captive in your arms, you know, they want that freedom. Like, they start squirming, and then they start fussing, and oh, you want to get down, you, get, you put them down. When you do that, just realize that you're teaching them that they're in control. So you fuss a little bit, and you squirm, and you start throwing a little fit, and I'm going to just give you what you want. I'm going to acquiesce to you. I'm just going to put you down like you can, you're going to have your way. So just teach them, no, you're not getting down right now. Mommy's holding you. And you realize, okay, I know they want to go down, so I'm not mean. But I do want to train them. I do want to train their will to be submitted to me. And so, you know, in a few minutes, Mommy will let you get down. But as long as they're fussing, guess what? They are not getting down. So as long as they're fussing for anything, they will not get it. Any fit is never rewarded. You know, they throw a fit because they want to get out of their car seat. Guess what? We're going in the house, and you're coming in the house too, but you're still going to be in the car seat, and you're not getting out. <laughs> I love you, but you can't get out until you have a happy heart. You can't get out until you have a good attitude, and then you can say, Mommy, can I please get out? Or if they're even too young, they don't have to ask, of course, but they, they will learn. Like, no fuss. It's really, they're so smart. They are so smart. Just like no, no fuss. We're not going to fuss. And um, so whatever they fuss for, they just don't get it. They don't get it. Um, so and then if you're, you know, a good thing like with teaching them whether to, you know, touch something or not to touch something. Maybe you're holding them and you've got a pen in your hand, or you've got something in your hand, or you got your phone, or. You know, a dad might have a pen in his pocket. That's a great teaching tool. You know, take that opportunity to train. So you can train them when you're holding them because they're going to fuss to get down and you just don't let them get down. You wait until you're ready and then, okay, now you can get down. And when you're, you know, dad's got the pen in his pocket or you've got something or it could be like a necklace you're wearing or whatever and every time they're going to grab it, you know. Just like no, like say if I had a necklace on, like no, mommy said no, no touch, no touch, and you take their little hand away, and they go for it again. No, no, mommy said no, no touch. Pull their hand away, and then they go for it again. Well, this time I'm not going to just say no. I'm going to flick their little finger. I'm I'm gonna I'm I'm gonna flick their little hand with my finger. That's all I'm going to do. No. Mommy said no. And they look at you like, what did you just do? That hurt a little bit. And like, no, it's okay. Mommy said no, no touch. And they learn. They learn. When um, I, I I didn't know to do this with our older ones, but then as they, you know, I was forever reading parenting books and praying. And you can't, you know, and honestly, like, parenting books are great. But you can't wear someone else's armor, so you can't take that book and just go, okay, I'm doing all of this. And even what we say, you, you have got to go to the Holy Spirit, and you have to ask him to show you and to give you conviction because you can read a book, and it will help you for a little while. You might change some things in your house and change some areas of discipline for a little while, but if you don't have conviction from the Holy Spirit, it won't last and it won't be long before you're back to doing whatever, you know, your children are getting out of control again. So it really does need to be taken to the Lord. But I was forever reading um, child training books, and I forgot where I was going. Um, anyway, um, with the, yeah, flick them, yeah, when they're babies. And then, so then I had read about, you know, putting your babies on a blanket like when they start crawling or when they can sit up, and maybe you've got your phone there or you have another object there that you don't want them to touch. Will you just start training them, putting them on the blanket. Here's all the toys you can play with, and then you put your phone down or you put a bowl of candy down or whatever it is that you don't want them to touch. And every time they go for that, first of all, you establish that they're not allowed to touch it. That's firmly established. That's no. And, you know, some parents want to smile when they say no. Um, I didn't usually. I got a little stern. I'm like, no, that's no. And I love you. Uh, we'll play with the to- I'll play with the toy with you. But then, eventually, you know, they're going to go for that item that you told them not to touch. And you just flick their hand. Honestly, that's all you have to do. If you do that consistently when they're babies, and you train them to listen to your voice, they're gonna, they're gonna, they're gonna get it, and they're not, they're not, they're gonna stop going for that object. It won't be long, and then they're crawling, and so to train them to crawl, <laughs> you know, to you, it's, maybe it sounds terrible. I don't know, but I, um, but I read this too. You put a little string around them. How important is it to teach our children to listen, to really listen to us, to obey our voice? You know, it might even save their life, like the story that Barry told about that John Piper, you know, related. You know, are we teaching our children to get shot because we're teaching them to ignore what we say? So um, there was a story that I had heard of a man who. He didn't really train his son to listen to his voice. He, he wasn't obedient. And a bunch of friends were getting ready to go on a hayride, and, but there weren't any rails. And so they w- made that stipulation, everybody has got to sit down. Like, nobody's on here. That's not going to be able you know, if you can't sit down, you're not going to stay seated, don't get on here. And um, the dad was a little worried. But he decided it probably would be okay, but he was a little worried. And his his son ended up standing up and getting run over. And he had to bear that the rest of his life. He's like, I actually caused my son's death because I did not insist that he listen to me. And it's so important. So and you know, and I've got some of these things in mind that when I'm teaching them to come to me, like, yes, it's really important. You know, it makes me sad if I see a parent ask the child to come, and they just run around the room. Like, they're not listening. They don't think that they have to listen to you at all. Like, please don't do that to your kids. Please don't. Teach them to listen to you. Don't ask them to come to you unless you really want them to come to you. (laughs) And if you do, whatever you say, when you say it, like, it needs to be followed through. It's that important. It really, it could be a matter of life and death. Um, And it is absolutely a matter of honoring the Lord. And so that's why we want to do it first and foremost, because it honors the Lord. He says it's the first commandment with a promise. He's going to bless their life if they will respect and honor their parents and obey their parents. So teaching them to come, put a little string around them, come to mommy. And, of course, they're looking at you like, what? (laughs) But you pull on that string a little bit, and they're crawling, and pretty soon they come to you, and then you just celebrate. Wow, yay, that was wonderful, good job. And you put them across the room, and you do it again. You know, it won't be long before you don't, there's no string, and whenever you tell them, come to mommy, they come to you. And what a blessing. And if at that age, you know, they're getting older, and they get that understanding, they're going to test you one little swat with a, you know, either, either a little flick or a little tiny swat on their little thigh is not going to hurt them, and you come to mommy. Then you go through it again, and when you see that they're, you know, if they come to a stage where they're starting to test, then it's just time to go over it all over again. You know? And it doesn't matter if it takes you a half hour, however long it takes, you just keep doing it you know, and teaching them to obey with a happy heart and to obey right away, and as they get, um, you know, as they get older, maybe then it's they're putting away their toys, you know, or whatever it could be. Well, first of all, you always want to get their attention. You want to look at them. You want to tell them what you expect of them. And then, you know, and you might give them some time, okay, in in two minutes we're cleaning up the toys. Give them a little warning. You know, if we respect our children, they're going to respect us, you know, Um, nobody likes to be commanded, like, they're this little, like, you're the soldier, and they just have to jump when you call, like, that doesn't foster any love, you know, but if you give them the warning, okay, in one minute, we're going to clean this up, and mom, you know, Yes, Mommy, if you will get them to acknowledge what you have said and just say, yes, Mommy, yes, Daddy, you're 50% there. They've already acknowledged, okay, I am going to listen to you. So they've got it. And then if they don't if they don't follow through, if they don't um, obey when you tell them to clean up, you know, you might have to give them a SWAT and just say, okay, we're going to do it again, you know, and we're going to do it again, and we're going to do it again, and we're going to do it again until... They can do it with a good attitude. You're training them. You're training them. So if they're making their bed and they're just miserable about it and they're just pulling that sheet in that blanket, and, you know, maybe then you have to give them a swat and then, okay, let's do it again. And uh, we're never talking about perfection. I never wanted my kids to feel like if they did not make their bed perfectly or do their tour perfectly, like that was a fail. Like whatever your ability is, like we're, you know, we're rooting for you. We're on the same team. Let's, but let's do it again. Let's try to get it a little bit neater this time, and we're good. You know, it's just um, we would do that. And then um, one particular story I think Barry wanted me to tell was um, one of our sons taking, and it wasn't Brennan, (laughs) just so you know. But um, I was teaching him to take the trash down, or asked him to take the trash down and he just really copped a terrible attitude. He grumbled and complained, and he just threw himself around the hole to walk down the driveway and shoved it there, and then he walked back and still had this attitude. I'm like, you know, no, it wasn't Brandon. (laughs) No. I'm not going to say who it was. Anyway, they they go down the driveway with such an attitude, and they walk back, and I did have a switch with me. And I said, now, listen, you're going to do that again. I want you to take the trash can down to the road without an attitude. Because, listen, guys, one day our children are going to be employed by someone. Will they be employable or are they going to be fired? Because they cannot do their job without copying an attitude. So, also, hopefully, they're going to get married. Do you want them to be that spouse who comes home and throws themselves around because they haven't had a good day? Like, no, we need to we need to learn self-control. And that's what I was trying to teach my son. And first and foremost, it you know, throwing yourself around doesn't honor the Lord. So that's why that's not acceptable. So you're gonna do that again. So I would have him take the trash can down the road again. He came back. Attitude. I got just all kinds of attitude everywhere. So I said, okay, this time I am gonna give you a swat. Swat. One swat. Go do it again. Go get the trash can, bring it back up to me, and you're gonna take it back down again. So this is like the third time. And he comes back fourth time, and he's still like, he did it the third time, he did the fourth time. Each time I'm like, one swat. That's all that I gave him. One swat on his little calf, and like, not little, because he was actually a little bit bigger. And um." like you're gonna do it again and I said you know what I got news for you I got all day I've got all day there isn't anything that I have on my agenda today that is more important than your character so as long as it takes you're not bothering me you I'm, I'm training you do it again and I don't know how many times it took I think probably by the 7th or the 8th time he had it. <laughs> I was like, I can, be, I can uh, be pretty stubborn too. I was like, no, I'm not giving up. <laughs> Your character, it, I mean, just think of what I'm saying to him. What would I be saying to him if I let him have that attitude? What kind of a husband would he be today? You know, what kind of... You know, what kind of an employee would he be? So, um, and then when they were little, too, I would tell them, because, you know, they'd get this little amount of uh, little allowance, you know, for doing their little jobs. And when they were little and would have an attitude, um, I would just tell them, you know, you're still going to do your job. But you're not gonna get anything. <laughs> they, they didn't get a whole lot anyway. But I was just like, no, because that you're that's not employable. And my, one of my jobs is to raise you to be employable, and that's not like having an attitude when you're doing your job. Like no, you're still gonna do it, but you're not getting any reward for it. So. Um,
0: and so one of the things as well, when they're all through that time, to celebrate the victories with them celebrate that oh that was so good that you thought of so we talked earlier today and one of the things that our kids would learn to do learning to love right with they went to the the jug of tea which was the precious to me so my kids picked out that same love oh, for iced they all tea. love
1: their sweet tea yeah and so
0: they would go there and if there was only enough for one glass then they literally got to the place where on their own they would go does anyone else want some iced tea before i take this and we're like that was so considerate of you to ask that. And sometimes somebody would say, I would like something, and then you split it or you split it three or four ways. But just celebrating the victories and and praising the godly character that they're exhibiting whenever you see it is huge. That's part of the deal. It's not a beatdown, it's not a come over here, I'm gonna whip you, you're acting like a heathen. You know, it's not that. It's 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 training. It's just like you would train a horse. You know, because you're training their flesh, actually, to do what's right. And so, um, so make sure to celebrate um, the victories. This is, yeah. this is really important.
1: Yeah, calling out the good behavior when you see it. Like, I want you to know. Like, it doesn't have to be in front of everybody. Sometimes I would say it in front of everybody. Like, I just want you to know, like, I saw how you preferred your brother or sister just now. Like, that honors Jesus. That was well done. Thank you. You know, that's all you have to say. Just that was that was well done. Mm -hmm. And I appreciate you.
0: And you know what happens with the other children? They're like, oh, I want to hear that. And they began to have a love for doing what was right and righteous and honorable, because that's what we praise in our house, Um, that you do well. And we, we honor that we that's beautiful. You are denying yourself for somebody else. You're preferring, right, Philippians 2, you're preferring your brother above yourself. Who wants, so Diane had this thing that she did, which was so great. You know, when when you'd read the story, all the little kids would want to get up close, you know, to mommy, they want to be able to see the pictures in the book. And so if all of them, oh, I want to be up there. Okay, who wants to prefer? Jesus. Jesus above themselves. And they'd be, oh, I do. So because when we prefer one another, what are we actually doing? He said, whatever you've done to the least of these, you've done it to me. So we're teaching them to prefer others, and in doing so, they're actually loving Jesus. And so that became popular, and they started to volunteer. Oh, I'll prefer you to sit in that seat, in that best seat. And so it helps them to get out of that inborn. So foolishness is bound up in the heart of a child, right? Right? That, that foolishness at its essence is their own selfishness and in, in is their own self-determination. I'm in control. I'm going to get what I want. That's foolishness at its heart. But this helps them to actually get out of that. And so it's really beautiful. So you see how the training aspect, it takes time. You have to be intentional about it. It doesn't happen by accident. Not usually. It can occasionally where there's a teachable moment. But if, if we're intentional about actually training them from the time that they're little, it's such a game changer in as they get older. Because, listen, the reality is if their flesh is constantly fed, it just gets stronger. It doesn't get weaker. What you feed grows and what you starve dies. That is a real principle of life. And so if their flesh is fed um, more, it gets stronger. This is a real story for me. When I'm in the landscape business, we're doing a job – for a couple that lived on Lake Hollingsworth, both the husband and the wife were both doctors, obviously wealthy. Um, and she asked us, we're there doing landscape job. She says, can, can you do me a favor? Uh, yeah, can, can you and the guys come in here and take our kitchen table out and put it in the garage? We're like, yeah, that's kind of weird. We're landscapers. She said, yeah, but you guys are strong. It's kind of a heavy table. She said, because I can't keep my five-year-old son from crawling on it, so we're just going to take it out of the house and put it in the garage. What is going to happen when that boy's 13? My goodness. We can't keep him from crawling on the table, so we're going to put it in the garage? I was in awe, in not a good way, but... This is what happens if you keep feeding that and they believe that their will is what should be done. My kingdom come, my will be done. That's not what we're supposed to say about ourselves, but that is what children naturally say about themselves. What I want is what should happen, and if it doesn't, then you have abused me. Um, but they need to learn, no, no, this is not really not about you. This, we're all. Mommy and daddy included, we're all about what Jesus wants, not about what we want at the moment and how we can love him well and how we can prefer others above ourselves. Such an important value. And honestly, guys, you don't need to preach this. You guys you guys have eyes to see and you know that our culture is filled with this. And I fear for those little souls. I know the Lord can do miracles He did miracles in me. I was 15 years old when he apprehended me, and I was twisted as a pretzel. Um, And he can do the work by his spirit. But it's a harder breaking, I can tell you. You know that if you got saved when you're older. It's a harder breaking when you're older. If they're trained up in the way that they should go, then it's much better for them, and it's much more to the glory of God if they... If their will gets subdued to the lordship of Jesus, because this is what salvation is. My knee bows to Jesus at every word that he says. That's what discipleship means. And so we need to train them. And God gives us as the surrogate to practice with them what this means by saying, no, you're going to. It's not your will that's going to be done. Not that you don't ever get something that you want. It's not that. But but when you're demanding, when you're sitting on your throne, waving your scepter, that's, that's not going to happen here. You're not the king here. Jesus is the one we're all honoring. And um, so that's a value that has to be instilled because that's not natural. Yeah.
1: Um, yeah. And so and part of the training for our family. Was going through the book of Proverbs. And this is just a little snapshot. I've written down here some of the um, some of the proverbs, and the idea for, for this actually came from the book that I read, "The Heart of Anger." So that's a really good book. And we are um, pulled that off the shelf, and um, some of what we're sharing is from that book. It is really good, The Heart of Anger. Um, But this was really helpful because the Bible tells us in 1 Peter 1.22, it says, purify your souls in obeying the truth so that you can love one another with a pure heart that's kind of like that is such a good overall scripture like that's what we're working for purifying our souls our children's souls and obeying truth the scripture so that they can truly love one another and I'll tell you guys it is a beautiful thing when your children are grown and they really love one another it's an amazing joy and like the scripture says too, there is no greater joy than to know my children walk in the truth. But Proverb I mean that was first Peter one twenty two. so when our kids were little, I got a piece of poster board and I wrote wise versus foolish behavior because I wanted them to recognize when they're being wise and when they're being foolish. So the wise, Proverbs 1.7 says, The wise fear the Lord, but the fool despises wisdom and instruction. And so, you know, I might be correcting them on something, and they don't want to hear it, and they are giving me an attitude, and I might say, okay, are you being wise right now? Or are you being foolish? What kind of behavior is this? And they're pretty smart. They can tell you. Proverbs 10.23, the wise, um, being wise brings enjoyment. There is joy in doing what's right. But for the foolish, they find enjoyment in doing evil. Even when our boys were little, like, like, no, you're not going to torture the lizard. You're not going to, you know, you're not going to find enjoyment in causing pain to someone or something. Um... Proverbs 12.15, they listen to advice, but the fool is right in his own eyes. The wise overlooks insults. I think one of the, another proverb says it's a glory for a man to overlook an insult, Proverbs 12.16. But the fool is quick to get angry, in the Net Bible, it says he flares up immediately when others bother him. When, when something bothering, is bothering him, zero to ten, he's mad. Um, the wise accepts discipline. And a lot of times we had our kids thank us for disciplining them. Because we, we, you know, just said, you know, I want you to know, like, what I am doing right now is I'm wanting to bless you. Because if I will train you and I will teach you to obey, then you are going to have a long and a happy life. God is going to bless your life. So, um, but they accept discipline, Proverbs 13.1, but the foolish will not receive correction. Proverbs 14.8 says that the fool is deceitful. Lies, that was a huge thing in our home loving truth. And so this also is something that w- that can be trained because when they are recounting a situation, you make sure that they have all their facts correct. And in doing that, you're training them to be truthful. And if a situation would ever come up and, okay, there's, you know, maybe we have neighbors over or cousins over and there's some kind of problem that arose and someone is lying, It's very easy to tell who is not being truthful because they change the story. But if someone's being honest, every time they recount it, they're saying the same thing over and over. I would drill my kids, and like Barry said from the pulpit, I would tell them, the Holy Spirit is going to tell me. I will know. Like, you you need to fess up. You need to own your sin because the Holy Spirit is going to tell me. And I told them, like, There's nothing that you can do that's going to get you into more trouble than lying to me. Like, no. And why, why was that so important? Because I don't know where it is, Barry knows. I think it's in Thessalonians. But it says that those who don't have a fervent love for truth will believe a lie and be damned. Well, I do not want my kids damned. So I was going to make sure that loving truth was a huge value, and that we all valued that, and we all did that. And that meant sometimes I had to confess when I did something that wasn't right. I had to be honest with them. We have to model this. Um, so then, Proverbs fourteen six: The wise they're cautious, and they will turn away from evil. But the arrogant, but the fool is arrogant and careless. And so sometimes, too, like I think we just need to be really careful with our entertainment, with our gaming, all that stuff. We want to turn away from evil. Proverbs 17.10 says that the wise responds to rebuke and to correction. And I would tell my kids, I don't know a proverb which, where this is exactly, but there is a proverb that says a word to the wise is sufficient. And I would tell them that a lot. And what am I trying to communicate? I think you're wise. So I'm not going to have to ride you and tell you this over and over. And I'm not talking about five-year-old. I'm talking about more like ten. A word to the wise is sufficient. Like, I can give you an instruction. I can tell you something. And because you're wise, I'm not going to have to get be- go behind you all the time to make sure that you're going to do what I've asked you to do. But the fool does not respond well to discipline. The wise restrains his words, Proverbs 17, 27, but Proverbs 18, 6 says, The fool provokes others to anger and strife by his words. The wise cease from strife. Proverbs 20, verse 3, but the fool is quarrelsome. And then Proverbs 17, 24, the wise embrace God's values, but the foolish have a worldly focus. And there's so many more. Like if you were to go, I, You know, I would go through the book of Proverbs and, um, okay, what does it say about how the wise use their money, how the fool uses their money? You know, what are the, um, I don't know. You can can go through it. I would encourage you to. I love going through the book of Proverbs, and especially with the Net Bible, it's so eye-opening. What's that? Net, N-E-T. It has a lot of really good notes that, Help it really come into focus and really it's very clear, like what is being said in that scripture. So, um, yes, I
0: put a plug in for that. If you don't have one, put it on your Christmas list right now. Net Bible it's fantastic. It will help you in your studies. So get get that. Um, Yeah. So the point is. There's a target in the book of Proverbs for what we're raising, what we're going after character. And for our kids, it was hugely helpful for them to see the target and go, oh, am I being wise or am I being a fool? Because a fool in Proverbs ends up turning away from God because their their own pride and arrogance and their own self-seeking ways. And so that helped our children, honestly, to to have a grid in their heart for like, am I acting like a fool now? Like, that's such a huge issue. Um, here's the deal. We're either going to raise wise children or we're going to raise fools. In order to raise wise children, there has to be intentional training. All you have to do to raise a fool is just to leave them to them themselves. And they'll be a fool. Because a child left to himself, Proverbs twenty-nine, fifteen. Will bring his mother to shame, and what does that mean? Being left to himself, that he's left a, a latchkey kid. No, it means that he's without discipline and training from his parents. That's what it means. So that's not um, that's not where we want to go. This is this is really uh, an important issue. I feel like it's one of the most neglected and and just not on the radar of parenting today. I think we get pretty well when we talked about heartstrings. There's always good responses of that, especially from moms because they're the affectionate. one. Well, I just love my kids. That's awesome. I love mine too. But there's an aspect of what God calls us to do in our stewardship for our children that is imperative. It's not optional. We are supposed to raise them up in the training and in the instruction. So Having Bible studies is great. That's part of the instruction aspect, but the training aspect is taking the trash can up and down six or eight times until you can do it with a good attitude. That's training them to do what's right, and um, it has something happens in their heart when they're trained like that. It's not being mean. I know everything today is abuse, right? If they don't get the candy, they're crying for their abuse. It's not true. What's abuse? is leaving a child to himself so that when they grow up and the demands of Jesus for discipleship in their life, they cannot do it because they're never used to denying themselves. That's abusive. It's abusive when children are raised to where they can't keep a good relationship because they're so consumed with themselves and their own pleasure and their own desires that they can't get along with anybody. That's abusive. It's abusive when you have a child who can't hold a job because they're just a jerk. They won't listen to instruction, and they always know better than the boss. That's abusive. Abuse is not training your child and giving them a swat and helping them to have a little sting to learn that that's not the right way to go. Actually, there's a better way that's loving and God says it is. He says to not do that is actually hating. So the world's mindset on all this is completely 180 degrees wrong. Um, Again, I get the anger issue. The problem that complicates all this is that so many children were raised with angry parents that now there's a total aversion to that. And I understand that. But the answer is not to throw out the baby with the bathwater. The answer is to be a disciplined parent and to follow the instruction of the Lord because he knows what's best for for children. So. gone a little bit over, but. Do you guys want to take a quick break and do you have any Q&A or does anybody need to run to the bathroom real quick? You want to take a five minute break and then come back and do some questions or what would you like? It's 830. Keep on. Who says keep on? Keep on. Okay. All right. Let's do some Q&A then. If you have a question that you want to ask, um, please come up. Says, can you do it in the mic and then?
1: So I have actually kind of talked to you about this, Diane, but we're, like, in a phase where, like, we want to reward good behavior, but I don't want to train him that, like, every good behavior get, you know, like, what, would, what did y'all do with, like, hey, we're going to work on this thing intentionally, and then there can be a reward for seeing them take to that, you know? Um, oh, Sorry. Um, I just am wondering, like, y'all's advice on that because I don't want him to think like that's expected, a treat or reward, you know? Mm -hmm. You get my question? Mm -hmm. I don't think we really, I mean, except for potty training, (laughs) I don't think we really gave, like, a reward. Um, When they started doing school, then there might be, you know, we might get a little – make a little store uh, so that they could earn tickets, you know, for getting, like, the math got done on time, so they got a ticket for that. You know, school brought in rewards, I would say. Before that, no, we didn't. I don't think we did any rewards.
0: Yeah. I mean, the, the line that you don't want to cross there is obviously to f- make them feel entitled that every time they do something good, they need to get paid for it. Because that's that's not... The, the pleasure of the Lord in your heart is actually the reward, which they learn from the time they're young. When they have a clean heart and they know that they've done right, they feel, they feel good about that in their heart.
1: Yeah. yeah, and just like you verbally, you know, acknowledging like mm-hmm. how well they're doing and that they did the right thing. Mm-hmm. And you're very proud of them and just that well done. That will go so far. And, you know, just giving them a big hug like I'm really proud of you.
0: Yeah. Praise is a big part. Celebrating their victories. um, Is is big. I'm just saying I'm not saying so, you know, when they potty trained and there was something hard, we would have a little reward for all of our kids because the other kids would be cheerleaders. Okay, when they go to potty, everybody's going to get a little An M&M, and M&M <laughs> or something. They'd be like, okay, come on, go, you can do it, you know. And all the kids would be, be off a family affair, teaching them to be potty trained. Everybody would gather around. Well, they want to get that M&M, so everybody's motivated to help them be potty trained. Um, so, you know, it's kind of fun. I'm not saying never, but, I mean, if you, if you always do that, and then they're expecting, like, the only way they're going to do what's right And deny themselves as if they get a reward, then that's that's not good. That's not a good message. So sometimes what brings an awakening there is Mr. Switch to help them to go, "Ow, (laughs) you know that that's not that's not okay." So let's go back and let's train again and do it again. This, This is so huge to to repeat the process until they actually get it right. It's not where you're frustrated and red faced and they're frustrated, but you, but, you know, do it with a good heart and a good nature and help them to go. OK, now we're going to try that again. We're going to do that. Let's do that again. Let's do it right. How would Jesus want us to do this? OK, with a good attitude. Right. And quick obedience. And so these are values that get instilled over and over and over again. then honestly, um, when the older children have been trained that way, then it makes it a lot easier. The younger ones, because there's a culture already caught on, and the, the older ones will go, What are you doing? <laughs> you know, that's not what we do in our house. So it, it's really helpful to have a culture developed um, that way.
1: Yeah, and I was just gonna say, like, and when you're going back and redoing the training because you're working on the good behavior, every time you have them redo the behavior and they do it right, there is that little groove in their brain that's deepening and getting stronger for their right behavior every time. Uh, there's a book that I read, Emotional Intelligence, and he said that, um, you know, your child's, your child's temperament is not their destiny. Have them redo the good behavior. Have them redo it and redo it and redo it. And every time, you are strengthening them to do what's right. And I thought that was so good. And also, like, you know, sometimes parents think, okay, well, we, we have been trying to, to correct and, and it doesn't seem to be working. But every time you insist on the correct behavior and you talk to them about it and you correct them, you are helping their conscience to be formed for what is right and what is wrong. You know, so we don't want to sear our ki- children's conscience by telling them, what is right but then we don't mm-hmm. we don't hold them to it right. we ignore the wrong behavior well what are we doing right. we're helping our children to sear their conscience and how are they going to know the lord if they sear their conscience
0: yeah this is such an important issue in today's world i mean we see it constantly when we we don't point a judgmental finger because we know it's hard but Honestly, it's, it's so common for parents to tell their children to do something and the children not do it. And that's the end of that game. And, and that is reinforcing in the child that they don't have to obey you. And so it just keeps getting harder and harder. So you have to pick your battles and know what, what you actually, is important to you and what's of value. But when you put it out there, you you have to stand behind your word and make sure that that gets enforced. You can't say, you know, stop doing that, whatever. And then they keep doing it and you don't do anything You're in their little brain. It's going, I don't have to listen. I don't have to listen to him. I don't have to listen to her because I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to do what I want. And ultimately, you know, same thing if we count one, two. Do I have to count again to one? Two, like you are training count. them that they're not going to get any kind of discipline until we count to three, four or five times or whatever. You know, they, they learn what the boundaries are. And I, I will tell you this, this is a real thing. Our children, just saying from our experience, again, put the caveat out there, we made lots of mistakes. We're not experts in any of this. We're just trying to share our experiences that have been helpful and things that we feel like really helped us. Um, when children know what their boundaries are and they know that those boundaries are going to be enforced lovingly, They are super happy. If they don't know what their boundaries are and one time they cross the line and they get beat and the next time they cross the line and nothing happens, they're very miserable because they're insecure. They don't know where their world is. Where are the boundaries? What can I do? What can I do? And they're not happy. Everybody's happy when they know what their boundaries are and children are definitely that way. It builds security in their little hearts that they know what's going to happen. And again, this is this is not a matter of anger. All discipline needs to be divorced permanently from anger. Um, Anger should have no part in disciplining children. It's always destructive and not helpful. So, you know, we'll talk about that more when we talk about actually using the switch because it's it's a it's a mandate from the Lord. So if we ignore that and go, oh, God, I know better than you, then we're actually We're actually acting like a fool um, by telling the Lord that we're smarter than him. So,
1: do you want to see if someone else has a
0: question? Other questions?
1: So, uh, uh, with kids kind of picking on one another, um, how do you... Encourage them to, to basically love one another rather than pick on one another. Because you know our kids will go through phases of that, and we always say, "Hey, we have to love one another." Mm -hmm. So, any uh, suggestions there? Anything that's worked for you guys in the past? Well, I think this scripture is so good, like the First Peter you know, a 122, seeing that you have purified your souls and obeying the truth um, through the Spirit unto unfeigned love of the brethren, see that you love one another with a pure heart, f- pure heart fervently. And so, you know, maybe, I don't know, whenever you have an opportunity to read the word with your kids, and I'm not saying read it like you're checking off a box, but read it because you love it, um, and you're calling their behavior higher to obey the truth. Like that is like a prerequisite there for being able to really love, is having that soul that's purified. So maybe, um, but also, you know, we would. Well, your t- kids are too old to tie together, so <laughs> we we did do that. <laughs> we did do that. But, but we I had a picture. I had a picture of our two boys that we did that with, and they always they were always aggravating each other. So yours is probably more lovingly picking on each other. Ours were extremely aggravating each other. And um, I had a picture of them hugging, and it was just such a beautiful picture. A friend had taken it for me, and I blew it up and I put it in their room. And whenever there'd be an infraction, whenever they'd have trouble with each other. I'd be like, guys, you're always gonna be really good friends. You're always gonna be best friends. And when something happens in your life, when you get older, like right now, I know you think that the friends that you have, you're gonna have all your life. But you're really not. Your sister, your brother, they're the, gonna be the ones who are gonna be there for you, who are gonna pray for you, who are going to help you anytime there's any problem. It's it, believe me, it's going to be your your sibling, so I'm you know I would put, I put that picture in their room and just like this is this is from the Lord, like this is a lifelong relationship, and then you know it like Barry says like we constantly um, you know talk to them that and, and even in stories that we read would read to them, the way you treat others is the way you treat the Lord. So and then I would talk to them like I know. Like inside, you really do want to honor the Lord, don't you? And they agree. Like, yes, I do. Okay. So when you treated your brother or sister that way, were you honoring the Lord? Like no. But you do want to, yes. Okay. So we need to change that. I'm gonna discipline you, because you didn't you didn't honor the Lord. And you, you actually, you treated—that's how you were treating Jesus. You did that to Jesus. Realize what you did. You did it to Jesus. So you need to take a few minutes and ask Jesus to forgive you. And I'd give them their time, and they'd come out, and then they would make it right with their brother or sister. So we did that a lot, but we're constantly drawing. You know, whenever anything happened, okay you you honored the Lord like you you really did that for the Lord. You treated the Lord that way. Or if it was, you know, they were having to get corrected, just realize like you hurt the Lord and you need to ask the Lord to forgive you. So
0: Yeah, that's why. It's so I mean, what we're trying to do as parents is work ourselves out of a job by them becoming accountable to their own conscience and to the Holy Spirit inside of them. That's what we want. And so to call them to that again, saying, hey, like, especially if they're older. So, no, we didn't switch our teenagers. Okay, so we'll we'll talk about that. There's an there's an age where you don't do that because then it becomes humiliating and and shaming and it's not constructive. So I wouldn't recommend that. There's an age. I mean, I think the oldest we ever switched was maybe 10, um, something like that. But they. Then, you know, by that time, if they have a conscience formed inside of them, you can call them to that accountability and say, like, you, you you know, the Lord, you you want to do him. I know that that's what your heart is. And so. Think about what you are doing in light of that, like, are you do you would you like to explain to Jesus like why you're treating him that way? <laughs> I mean, that's a tough question, but it's, it's the reality of what the word says. So. I think at that point we're trying to when they're older, we're trying to call them to account to their own conscience and to their own knowledge of God. And that's the best because ultimately when they get released, you know, when they're older, that's the hope and the accountability that they actually have accountability to their own conscience, which has been shaped and to the Holy Spirit inside of them, which causes them to want to do what's right. So um, if they're older, I would I would call them to account on that basis um, for sure. else all right well thank you guys for coming so next time we meet we'll do a better job of sending out emails but we were out of the country so we're gonna uh take a mulligan it'll be the
1: 29th
0: 29th of april so we're gonna get back to the last friday of the month um we weren't in the country so we couldn't do the last friday but April 29th will be the next time we meet at seven o'clock. OK, and we'll, we'll do a better job of communicating and all of that.
1: And will it be on anger? I'm sorry. Are, is the topic going to be dealing with? Anger? Oh,
0: I don't know. We'll see. We, we might talk about we want there's a whole session we can talk about how not to provoke your children to anger out of that verse. And so we we definitely want to go. Probably that's where we'll go next. Um, just really and definitely bring your questions. Uh, it's, it's helpful for everybody when questions come out and, you know, we can discuss those. So, well, let's let's pray for us and then we can dismiss. So, Father, I thank you for the men and women here in this room, for their heart for you coming out on a Friday night after a long week. Because they want to honor you well with how they raise their children. Thank you, Lord, for them, each one of them. Would you bless and encourage them? Would you strengthen them? Lord, and lift them up. Would you give them hope? And would you encourage them that you are their helper in training their children, that you would give them wisdom and understanding and that every resource that they need to do, the mandate that you've given them for their children, that you provide every one of those resources. And so I I pray that you would encourage them in a deep way by your Holy Spirit and that you would um, cause to rest inside of each of us the things that you want us to glean from what we've shared this night. And we thank you for your precious, beautiful, powerful Holy Spirit. So grateful in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you, guys.